Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we look at your word right now, that you would be at work among us. I pray that you would, um, through things uh, that we see in your word here today, that you would, that there would be ears here this morning that are opened to hearing you. And so help me now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, what a fantastic, if, if possibly you could be more able to hear God because of what I share right now. That's incredibly significant, isn't it? I mean, and that's what we're, what we're looking at this morning. Um, let me start by saying that I want to suggest that hearing from God is more normal than you might think, okay? And let me start from a very unusual source. This is um, not unusual, but, you know, uh, this is uh, someone writing for the CNN, Okay. Um, and Dr. Tanya Marie Luhrmann, uh, now catch out what she is. She's a psychological anthropologist. Put those together, right? Psychological anthropologist um, at Stanford Univer University. And when she's, she was writing and she, um, first of all, she retold an old joke um, when she said this, when you talk to God, we call it prayer, but when God talks to you, we call it schizophrenia. But in her report, now remember, because of her specialty, she's looking over time and across different cultures and all, all sorts, and, and she says this in her report. Science cannot tell us whether God generated the voice that Abraham or Augustine heard. But it can tell us that these events are normal, part of the fabric of human perception, that people throughout time in many different places have claimed to, that God has spoken to them in different ways. That there's something that's far more normal about this than, than what is often said. And she concludes this, and again, this is for the CNN. She concludes by saying this. And you can see this is really interesting in trying to get people to go, oh, yeah, maybe that's a good thing, right? She concludes by saying this. When the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. sat at his kitchen table in the winter of 1956, terrified by the fear of what might happen to him and his family during the Montgomery bus boycott, he said he heard the voice of Jesus promising, I will be with you, so he went forward. Right? And I don't want to go beyond what she would say in saying that actually I believe that as Christians, that we, what I want and what I believe should happen is that God is speaking into our lives and speaking to us in all sorts of different ways. And that it's important, critical really, that we become people that are able to hear God's voice and respond. Now let me, let me start with something that I want you to see from the beginning and end of our passage for today. Okay, So check this out. Verse 1 of chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There, was, there were not many visions. I'll come back to this. But I want you to see for a moment how dire the situation was that they had at the time. So you've got at the time that, first of all, the nation is corrupt. Remember, the, the book of Judges in Jesus' Bible would have come just before this. And regardless, chronologically, is coming just before this. Like, the nation is corrupt. The spiritual leaders are corrupt. Last week, we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hophni and Phineas, Phineas were horrible. You know, like, the, the leaders were corrupt. And God, we see here, is no longer directing them or speaking to them. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. 
And yet then we jump to the end of the chapter and we get this, verse 19. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. That means none of the words, his words fall to the ground. That means they were effective. And the reason for this is in verse 20, we see that the entire nation comes to recognize that Samuel is speaking for God as a prophet. In verse 21, God continues to speak to Samuel. Chapter 4, verse 1, Samuel then would share that with Israel. So not long after our passage, the nation is heading in, in a good direction. The leadership is honoring God, and God is directing the nation. And key to this is Samuel growing to be God's mouthpiece to a whole nation. Today's passage, essentially, is about a prophet in the making. A boy hearing the voice of God and becoming a prophet. In a time when it was so needed. Samuel serves as a bridge between the time of the judges. When things kept getting worse and worse. To the time of the kings. He serves as a bridge between these, these times in the nation of Israel. And at the time when he is there as a boy, um, this has been referred to by Tim and by Simon these last couple weeks. Um, it sounds very much like today in some ways when it says in Judges 21 verse 25, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. Can I suggest that today we need more prophets? Right? We need more prophets. By the way, side note, sometimes we get the wrong idea of prophet. We think prophets just tell the future. In the Bible, a prophet is someone who speaks for God. Okay? Like God directs them and they speak for God. That might have to do with the future. And it might often, probably more often, it's about con confronting people or, or encouraging people. Or, but speaking for God. Right? We need more prophets. Like, we get the wrong idea of prophet. I almost wonder if Simon Gilbo's a bit of a prophet these days. Would people feel that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, um, don't tell him his, his ego doesn't need it. But, um, no. <laughs> Just kidding. He's a friend. It's a joke. Sir. Okay. Um, we need more prophets. But, and maybe prophet is, a, is too big of a label in that maybe you kind of think, oh, well, um, I don't. You know, I don't feel like God's calling me to be a prophet. Maybe let me say it differently. We need more people that are able to hear God and share honestly and boldly what they hear with others. And I want that for all of us. To hear God more often, more regularly. And when we hear from God, to be able to respond in exactly the way that God would want us to. Okay? Now, um, let me take us into a few things in our passage that might help us in that direction. The first thing I want you to see, I want to ask the question, if the, Lord, if the word of the Lord was rare, why would that have been? Okay? Back then, if the word of the Lord would, was rare, why would that have been? And some of us might feel at times like the word of the Lord is rare in our lives, right? So why for them was this happening? It doesn't say specifically. But there are lots of things we're told in our passage and that fit with other parts of Scripture that might give us some, serve us some warnings or give us some ideas as to why this might be. 
And I think the main thing we want to see here is that it was possibly due to the sin of Israel as a nation. There's a pattern in Judges where what happens is things get bad, like really bad, and worse and worse, until finally the nation of Israel repents and cries out for God's help. God helps them, and then they get worse again. And God helps them, and you know they, they repent, and God helps them, and then it gets worse. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And you get to, um, so for example, early in the series, we've had Judges 19 mentioned, and I want to dwell on that for a moment. Like, Judges 19 is this tragic illustration of how bad things had gotten. And the, um, the story goes, I want to, Tim mentioned it, but I want to just tell a little bit more of the story in Judges 19. The story goes that the, uh, you need to know that the nation of Israel had a high value on hospitality culturally, okay? You didn't go into town and have hotels or something like that where you'd pay to stay. You'd stay with people. People would welcome you in. And there was this man who was traveling with this concubine. And as he is traveling, he, he wants to get to Israel because he's an Israelite himself. He wants to get to Israel because he feels like outside of Israel, he won't be safe. And yet, and so he pushes on late into the night, finally gets to Israel, and as he's there in this town, nobody will welcome him and his concubine into their home. Which already is like, what's going on, right? For their values. Nobody will welcome them in. Finally, they decide that they're going to sleep in the town square. And this old man comes to them and invites them into his own home because he thinks the town square wouldn't be safe. Again, ooh, <laughs> red flag, what's going on, right? Things are getting worse and worse. Town square wouldn't be safe. And so this old man welcomes him into his home, and then things get really grim. This mob comes to the home desiring to have sex with these guests. Force, like, like, like this is just absolutely horrible. And the, the old man and the man, again, there's no hero in this story. It's a grim story. The old man offers to this mob his daughter, and the man offers his concubine. And the, the next morning, again, no here in the story, the next morning, the man, as he's leaving, goes outside and finds his concubine and tells her to get up so they can head on their way, only to find that she's dead from what the mob had done. Okay. And his response to what's happened is to cut her body into 12 pieces and to send them to the 12 nations of Israel. Again, absolutely horrific. As a, to send them as a declaration of just how bad things had gotten. Now check this out. I was once preaching on that passage to a group of older youth I titled the sermon, Dear Concubine, and it was sort of an ode to this young, nameless woman who died in such a horrible way. In that sermon, I railed against the wrong attitudes that people can have about sex that turn people into objects. I said that God's design reserves sex for marriage. And so for me, it was a profound sermon confronting ungodly views about sex in our society. 
and holding up the idea that God's idea is that sex is only for marriage. And shortly after that sermon, a, a parent asked her teenage daughter what I had preached on. The girl said that I said, sex is okay so long as you do it with someone you love. What? I went back to my notes, like, and I comforted myself with what I actually said. How could she have heard that? And I think her heart was so influenced that what I was saying didn't make sense. Right? Like I spoke to someone about it, and the way they put it was, sometimes people hear what they want to hear. Right? We, we understand that. The scary thing is that this can happen between us and God. That sometimes God speaks and we tune it out because it doesn't make sense or it's something we don't want to hear. And that God, especially if God's whispering to your spirit, is there can easily be times where you're going, no, that's not God. And the scary thing here is that our sin can stop us from hearing God. But there's an even other, there's another side of this that we see loads of times in Scripture that our sin can also stop God from speaking. So can I suggest up front a really key thing to hearing God is actually that we are constantly repenting of anything we need to. That we're constantly giving things back to God and receiving God's forgiveness again and again. So that there's, we're not, you know, we're just constantly giving things back to God. We will mess up, but when we mess up, we give it to God. We repent. We give that over. We don't let that stop us from hearing God or from God speaking into our lives. So that's the, the kind of first thing I'd want you to see here kind of in this, in this story is that actually the word of, the God, word of God was rare, and I think it's because of the sin of the people at the time, which we can learn from. But then there's a, this is a beautiful story about learning to hear God. You see, God starts speaking to this young boy, Samuel. I love, by the way, by the way, if you think for any reason, you have some reason why you think God wouldn't speak to you, that's absolute rubbish, okay? I love here in this story, you know, you'd think if God was choosing someone to speak to, he'd speak to Eli, distinguished and older and in a, in a culture that really valued wisdom and age. You know what I mean? Like, who's God speaking to? A young boy named Samuel. And what we see in this story of him learning to hear God, we, we see a few things. First thing I want you to see here is that God's call, or when God speaks to you, God might not speak to you in the way that you expect. Okay? Like there's... There's something here about Samuel learning to listen to God such that, that when God speaks to Samuel, he's confused and thinks it's the voice of Eli, which is weird, right? Like he's so confused, he thinks it's the voice of Eli. And he even needs Eli's help to realize, to recognize it's the voice of God. And for us as well, God speaks, we find in Scripture that God speaks in so many different ways. 
There might be an audible voice or a whisper in your spirit. There might be circumstances that can only be from God, or you might have a vision. You know what I mean? There are such dramatically different ways where God speaks. It reminds me, I love um, one of the testimonies at New Wine was of someone um, saying that basically they had been prayed to be filled by the Holy Spirit and then recognized a feeling they hadn't noticed, that, that they had experienced before, but hadn't realized it was the Holy Spirit. How interesting is that, right? And there's something similar in that with Samuel, like, is the voice of Eli. And yet, clearly, Samuel is going to learn to tune in to listening to God's voice in such a way that it will happen again and again for the rest of his life, Right? But so first thing, God's call might not be as you expect. We need to learn to listen. A second thing I want you to see that I think is meant to be seen in this passage is that our character matters. Samuel is really obedient. You see how he runs to Eli. First, first time he runs, like middle of the night. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. How many times, would you, like second time, would you be like, Eli, I'm over here. You come to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, three times he runs, he goes to Eli. And then the final time, um, but what, what we see here is we see some obedience um, in, in Samuel that I think we're meant to see. But then as well, what I want that's, that's important here, and this is important for all of us, I think, and that's that, we put your, that you put yourself in a position to hear God, but you can't force it. Right? You put yourself in a position to hear God, but you can't force it. Samuel serves God in the temple. He actually sleeps near the Ark of the Covenant. And when finally God speaks, there's something beautiful about the fact that three times Samuel runs to Eli. The fourth time, Samuel doesn't run anywhere. He lies on his bed, and I love the phrase, speak for your servant is listening. And it even says there that in verse 10, I love what it says about what God does, because it says the Lord came and stood there. Like it's, a, it's not like, I mean, God wasn't standing there with physical bodies, but it's a picture of how close God came in that moment. And in this moment when God meets with Samuel, it's pure grace. There's no effort on Samuel's part. He's just lying there on his bed. Speak for your servant is listening, and God comes to him and speaks to him in that moment. I've wondered at points why so many people hear God at new wine. Does, does, like, does people recognize what I mean like this? Like, new wine, people hear God loads and then you go back to kind of like normal life and God's quiet, right? And I think one of the things that happens there, one is that we're encouraged by the testimonies, but we're also setting aside so much time for worship and for looking at the Bible. But you've got a whole week just to hear from God, right? What if we could live in that sort of space all the time? What if your normal life, what if normal living could be such that you're in a position to hear from God? 
like something, um, something that concerns me these days. I'm going to sound like an old man. You ready for this? Um, Joe and I read a book ages ago, a book that was written in the 80s by Neil Postman called um, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And it was a book about the negative influences of television on the brain. Okay? I, I wonder what Neil Postman would write about TikTok. Okay? Do you, you know what I mean? Like we are in a constant state of distraction. Like you, you don't wait in a line anymore without looking at your phone. Right? Like I'm like, great, I can do some email or whatever. You know what I mean? I can look at cat videos. I don't know. But you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> But we're in this constant state of distraction. And maybe if what, we're focused, if what we're thinking about is drawing us to God, that can be a good thing. But quite often, we're filling every available moment with all sorts of things, aren't we? And my worry is, are we putting ourselves in a place to hear God? When? How? What does that look like? Because if we're filling our time with cat videos, we're not ready to listen. And so there's something we need to learn. Samuel learns to hear God, which is incredibly important for us. But then finally, the the final thing I want you to see in this passage, and really important, is that, that there's a key thing here that happens with Samuel later on in the chapter. And what happens is, so Samuel's had God speaking to him, and then he's afraid to tell Eli what he heard. Actually says that, it says he was afraid. Which, by the way, you could understand that, right? But there's actually really key here, because if Samuel doesn't tell Eli what's happened, he's probably not really fulfilling the role of a prophet, is he? And it's possible then that Samuel will never be the prophet Israel needs him to be if he doesn't open his mouth. And Eli actually comes to him and says in really strict terms, verse 17, you know, what was said to you, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. Like those almost sound like threatening words. Eli is really tough on Samuel here. And you can understand why Samuel doesn't want to say it. Like, Samuel, like, think about this, the history here. Samuel's birth was because of a blessing, the way that his parents were blessed by Eli. Eli taught him to minister in the temple, helped him to discern the voice of God. And then this young boy is given this incredibly heavy message to give to a powerful person, right? There's lots of reasons to be afraid. And yet Samuel then in verse 18, it says, told him everything, hiding nothing from him. There's something really important here in that when we hear from God, we don't alter the message, we don't change the message, we deliver the message. Um, one really awkward, but, but well, let me, let me rewind. Sorry. Uh, the, um, when I was a young, young in my faith, there was something that was really important for my growth in my faith. And that was a, a friend and mentor of mine named Scott Erickson. 
And he's, by the way, one of the people in my life that is the, one of the best examples of someone who's able to hear the voice of God and respond. Like, I've got loads of stories of where, where I've seen him do that. But one of the things he did is he said he gave his house to God. Like, God, if you want my house, you got it. And then what happened is God sent his way lots of guys from rough backgrounds. So there ended up being six or seven guys at a time living in his house from really rough backgrounds. And he would disciple all of us. Okay? And so one of the rules in Scott's house was this. If God tells you to do something, you do it. I was like, I heard that loads of times. If God tells you to do something, you do it. And this would play itself out sometimes in really unpredictable and fun ways, okay? Um, but let me just share you one of those examples that I remember just sitting there thinking, whoa, what's going on here? And that's that we would regularly go to this pool hall. There were other Christians that had said, you guys are Christians, you, don't, you shouldn't go to this pool hall. It's not, it's not a Christian sort of place. Um, we would go there and end up getting to share our faith with loads of people. So we thought, well, I think we think Jesus would do this. You know, whatever. Um, and we're in this pool hall, and we're sharing our faith. And I'm with my friend Jim, and he's talking about forgiveness and God's grace to this, to this guy and this lady. And in the middle of it, he starts using an illustration. Now, he feels like he's being led by the Spirit. I'm listening, thinking, whoa, this sounds a little bit crass. <laughs> like... This sounds kind of awkward. He's using, he's like, he's somewhat flippantly talking about a prostitute. And like, I'm kind of, I'm thinking, A, this is a poor illustration that he's using. Um, and, and it's kind of crude. And in the middle of him sharing it, the girl just starts floods of tears coming down her face. And she, she prays to receive Christ, and she's talking to us. And what, what it turns out that, that her, her job was as a stripper. And so the thing that were not led by the Spirit of God, you wouldn't say. Do you know what I mean? Like, was exactly what she needed to hear. You see, we need to be a people that are hearing God. And then whatever God says, we put it into action right away. Whatever it is. I believe that honors God and almost cultivates an, a life of hearing and responding. Hearing and responding. We need, in our world today, we need more prophets. Let's pray. Father, I ask uh, that by your spirit that you would be stirring this in hearts in ways that only you can. I pray even from our church there would be people that have a just sense of your spirit saying, I want you to be a prophet. I pray for all of us that there would be a sense of desiring you more and desiring to hear from you more. I pray that you would help us to honor you as people that, are, that can say Speak, your servant is listening. Father, that we would live in a place where we are ready to hear from you, longing to hear from you, and that when you speak, we wouldn't miss it, we wouldn't ignore it, we wouldn't not want to hear it, but that instead we would respond. In Jesus' name. 
Amen.